0: Hi everyone, it's Aliza Licht here, your host, and I'm so thrilled to share that my new book, On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception, is out now. I hope you'll pick up a copy because personal branding is for everyone. It's for the new graduate starting out, the middle manager looking to level up, the executive who wants to be a thought leader, the entrepreneur starting from scratch. It's for anyone who wants to pivot or transition into something new. Because having a strong personal brand means that your name gets dropped in rooms you're not in and that you're thought of for opportunities that other people haven't even heard of yet. So pick up a copy and I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, this is Aliza Licht and this is Leave Your Mark, the podcast where I brew fresh career advice with some of my most inspiring and successful friends. It's professional advice that you can action immediately, whether you're just starting out in your career or well on your way. With a massive to-do list and a large cup of coffee, I promise that you can get it all done and still have time to post about it. Well, this is an exciting episode for me personally because for me too turning the tables on myself with my dear friend Alex Strauss who is a lifestyle and trend journalist and a New York Times contributor and a four-time best-selling author Alex welcome to leave your mark and thank you for interviewing me today
1: this is so exciting for me I'm happy to both leave my mark and create a new one with you and talk about this new imprint and everything I mean this new book is so exciting I really loved it. And I felt like I got an entire new vernacular that I didn't know before. So I'm excited to talk about everything with you.
0: Oh, amazing. Well, I thank you for doing this with me. And honestly, when I was thinking about who could interview me for on brand, I couldn't think of a better person than you, so. Thank
1: you. I really do appreciate that. And I know you're always on brand and I thought we would really start with how it all started. So talk about the first book and then how you sort of, moved into this new one?
0: My background was fashion PR. I was a corporate executive and I never thought I would write a book. That was never a goal. I didn't think about writing a book, but I was pretty verbose as the former social media personality, DKY PR girl back in the day. In the early days of Twitter, when fashion brands were not really on there and I loved writing I started a blog at that time and I was approached to write a book and my editor at the time Amanda Englander gave me carte blanche and I thought you know what if I'm going to do this I want it to be a career mentorship so leave your mark land your dream job kill in your career rock social media was really the story of my own career journey think like devil wears prada meets career advice and it really was geared toward more college age rising, aspiring professionals, and certainly after college too. But in my mind, it was really going to be that first education that no one ever teaches you in college.
1: So that was Leave Your Mark. These books are so important because I think there's this huge gap. And I think as you continue to expand your repertoire into all these different books that you're creating, you're really expanding an education. So I, I guess you took that, you know, the Leave Your Mark and then created the second book.
0: Well, it's interesting because on brand, shape your narrative, share your vision, shift their perception was kind of born from my exit as DKYPR girl and as a former fashion publicist. And that is how on brand kicks off. Essentially... When I was still at Donna Karen, and I had created this social media personality, which really was one of the first examples of a fashion influencer that we all knew of, even though we didn't know that word at the time,
1: right.
0: it became huge, huge. And it was you know, inspired by Gossip Girl. It was anonymous for two years. When the news broke that there was a person behind the Twitter handle, it was headlines. It generated over 230 million media impressions. And that led to Leave Your Mark. So when Leave Your Mark came out in May 2015, you know, I went on my press tour and of course it's like very buzzy and you feel amazing. And then you kind of get that itch of like, well, what if I didn't have a corporate job anymore? What if I did something else? I had been there for 17 years, so it felt like a good time and without spoiling anything in on brand, because there is a story behind it, I basically ended up deciding that I did need to leave for several reasons. And when I did that first Monday in 2016, I'll never forget it. I really woke up with like this newfound freedom that was both uncomfortable and exciting. I wasn't a corporate person anymore. I didn't work for LVMH. I didn't have an executive title. I didn't have millions of followers because those were not mine. Those were the followers and the community that I built for DCANY. And I sort of was faced with this idea of like, Okay, well, now what? Who am I now without all of this?
1: So I guess it's like starting over, but not really starting over. It's a very different kind of pivot because you're familiar, but unfamiliar. And you know things, but you don't know how to put that into action yet.
0: Yes, but also one of the issues was I didn't want to do PR anymore. So it's not like I was like, oh, let me get another job. I really wanted to rebrand. And I did. And On Brand starts off with what I did to personally do that. So I'm like the first case study, basically.
1: And you know, eight years later, the temperature has shifted in what we need to know about being a brand or owning a brand.
0: You're right. I mean, we live in a world that's hybrid at best, quite virtual. And one of the reasons why I wrote On Brand was because I think it's every person's responsibility to understand what they want to be known for and how they're showing up in this world, no matter the medium, That can be over email. That can be on social media. That can be when you present on Zoom. It can be a lot of different things. But the world has changed, and you can't rely on your credentials to speak for themselves anymore. There's too much work turmoil and layoffs and banks closing and crazy stuff happening. So every person is required to think about their personal brand. And fun fact, everyone has some version
1: of one because it starts with what makes you you. It can be so overwhelming only because there's so much noise. I mean, how is the book orchestrated? I know that part of it is a workbook, which I think is so amazing and helpful. And then you bring in some additional people to sort of give different kinds of advice. So I'm just wondering if you can walk us through how it all comes together, and how this might be different than your previous one.
0: It's really different than my previous one. And I will say it was much harder to write. Leave Your Mark was really like a diary for me. It was just me sort of telling my story and everything I've absorbed along the way. Advice from my own mentor, Patty Cohen, and any single person who has ever supported me in my growth. I took all that and put it into Leave Your Mark. This is different. So I basically break down how to create a personal brand today. And it's not just online. It's also in real life. And I want to double click on that because a lot of people misunderstand personal branding as becoming an influencer. And while you can use this book to garner influence and build an online community, it is also just as much for people who are like, that's not for me. Right. I think one of the reasons why my background in fashion makes this book so different is because the fashion industry is the image-making industry. You know, back in the day, I started my career as an intern at Harper's Bazaar, and that was my first foray into understanding how influence is created, right? You know, early days, 90s print magazines, at the height of fashion, when Harper's Bazaar told you what to wear for the season, you were like... I better get that thing, right? Mm -hmm. We live in a different world now, but I think the lesson's still the same in that there's a way to shape and craft this narrative and to be able to show up how you want others to see you. And I think at the back of the book, I have a whole chapter on zero fucks given branding, which is one of my favorite chapters because you can have a strong personal brand and be an incredible marketer and not be liked. You can have just as many haters as you do lovers. And I think Anna Delvey, Anna Sorokin, is a great example of someone who chose to market herself in a certain way to come off as an it girl, as a German heiress, for people to think she is super connected in fashion and art. And it wasn't true, but she played the part. So there's a lot of lessons in the book, but also from my background that I think make it relevant. But this all said, it's not a fashion book. And I think that the lessons are that I'm sharing all of the tactics from marketing, communications, and digital that I know of, and obviously the expert contributors I bring in, to help you figure out what your personal brand is. But I don't care if you work in banking, you're a teacher, you're a cashier at the supermarket, it doesn't matter. My premise here is, I don't care what you do or what stage you're at, every single person has aspirations for more. And what that more is can differ from one person to the next, but on-brand will help you get to the more. The information is really broken down in small enough, tiny bite-sized moments so that you don't feel A, like you're working, and B, like it's too intimidating of a process.
1: It's very much like the artist's way, in some sense, for people who are creating brands for themselves. And I think that's just so interesting because that really doesn't exist. And I think it's super confusing or it's almost misunderstood what a brand is, how you yourself can be a brand and how do you market that in a way that is digestible for people. And so some of what, you know, when I was reading it and I loved all the details and I love the specifics and the advice, I'm wondering if there were a few takeaways for you that were like these aha moments, like, oh my God, I have to put this in. Like, this is such a wonderful piece of advice for people. And that's hard because I know the whole book itself is advice, but if there were a couple of moments that you feel are are really those highlights, those aha moments.
0: Yes. And that's a great question. I have one main one, which I think is probably the most important one of the book. I want everyone to feel like when they're done reading this book, that they've been self-reflective, they understand what they want to be known for, and they know how to market themselves. And while the cover of the book is a spotlight, because I want people to put a spotlight on themselves, I want people to be their own heroes, but not to the extent that they become the villain. And I think this kind of work has a slippery slope. And The slippery slope is nobody wants to hear from or follow someone who is just talking about themselves all day. And I think that when you think about personal branding, that is sort of like the bad reputation of it, where people are like, oh my God, you're just marketing yourself all day. Mm -hmm. No, that's not what this book is. I will teach you how to market yourself, but in a way that's strategic and elegant and also in the process amplifies other people and their work.
1: It's so interesting because there has to be a thoughtfulness, I think, around so much these days. I think that the gimme gimme is exhausting and it's draining and nobody wants it. And you're right. That's a hard balance to achieve. How do you share about yourself without feeling like this big ego is in the room? Yes. I'm also wondering of all the people that you interviewed for this and all the great advice you got from others, who were some of your favorites? What made you reach out to those people? There's some smarties in there.
0: Yes. Well, I have to say, first of all, I'm lucky to call these people friends. I believe that every single person should surround themselves with smart people and hopefully some people who see a better version of you than you see for yourself and have that vision. Um One person who comes to mind first and foremost is Dory Clark, because as a former PR person myself and someone who is very skilled in communications, Dory is someone that I've admired for many years. And I think her section in the book is really powerful because she really doubles down on the idea that no one knows what you're doing. Nobody cares what you're doing. And it's up to you to tell your story. And I think that's uncomfortable work. And I also think that people assume, oh, they know what I'm doing. They know what I'm trying to say. They know what I'm trying to do. And the reality is that they don't because people only think about what they're doing. So the reminder that you need to message what you want people to know about you over and over again in different and interesting ways, I think is a really important lesson.
1: What do you do for people who, Are in that in-between, so they think that they have a brand or maybe they've already got a brand? That's a great question. And I think I'll
0: start the answer with explaining that in my mind, this book doesn't have a target audience. I think you can be someone straight out of school. I think you can be a CEO. I think you can be someone who was in corporate forever, who wants to start their own business. But I also think you could be someone who's passed over for a promotion who doesn't understand Why? The ability to rebrand is for everyone. My God, you rebrand every time you start a new job. You're presenting yourself to a new audience.
1: So, how do you know if you're even branded correctly?
0: It all starts with self reflection. So, how we think about ourselves is not necessarily how other people think of us. So, one of the first exercises in the book is taking that self reflective deep dive and really answering questions. Honestly, about yourself. And then I walk you through how to create a survey for the people in your network that you trust and whose opinions you care about to actually answer the same questions about you. So you can see if the two sides marry. Because a strong personal brand is really going to be the marriage of self reflection and public perception.
1: That's really fascinating. And I wonder. What do you do for the person who feels that they're not being seen correctly, but they're doing everything they can to get there?
0: I think it comes down to being able to take constructive feedback. That's why it matters greatly, like who you're asking to do this. You know, you want to ask people who have your best interest at heart. We know there are many people who might not want to be totally truthful with you, you could do it anonymously, or you can actually ask for direct feedback. Clearly, if you do it anonymously, you might get a more accurate response. But I think it's about being able to take in others' perception of you and internalize it and then see where the holes are and be able to think about, okay, this person thought this of me. God, I don't want them to think that. How can I change that behavior? Because I think one of the misconceptions, again, about personal branding is it's not just what you say or what you do. It's also in the unspoken. It's also in the energy you put out. It's a lot of things that come together. It's how you visually identify. There's a lot of different things that come together to sort of create this personal brand. And you're leaving an impression in every single thing you do.
1: You're not reaching out to my mother for any of this, are you? Because I am not. One, she would be bad for business. She's not on brand, but she thinks she knows my brand. So (laughs) we would definitely have a different opinion. You know, there's also a really interesting vocabulary that you use in this or a different kind of vernacular than I'm used to. So some of the things about social capital or career currency or even visual identity. I'm wondering. How you got there and what made you choose certain words to talk about? Because there really is an education to marketing correctly.
0: I appreciate that. There are a lot of marketers in the world, there are a lot of coaches in the world. I find myself at an interesting intersection of both because what I've done is take my two decades plus experience in luxury fashion and marketing communications and later digital strategy, where I have had incredible experience working with some of the best people in the world on brand building. And I've taken all of that experience and applied it to
1: people. It's really brand building therapy.
0: I love that. Yeah. I think that because I've been able to do it, not just for brands, but also for myself, I'm able to explain it in a way that feels easy to digest. And I know it can sound lofty, but in On Brand, I try to make it really relatable and humble in a lot of ways. So when we talk about some of the expert contributors in the book, they're there because they're the best in class in what they do. So Elisa Cohn, who's one of the best startup coaches in the world, is the person who speaks about social capital in the book and how to earn that. You can't buy that. What does it mean? It means that you have established yourself with a reputation that you're good to work with, that you're reliable, that you're dependable, that you're going to deliver what you say you will, or you're going to do something really quickly and people know that they can count on you in a pinch. That is something that you have to prove to someone else to earn. You can't just buy that. So that's one phrase. Visual identity is obviously a fashion term. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes, who is a... Journalist, a brilliant writer, and also has many thoughts on royal style, is someone who I discuss visual identity with in the book. And we go through royal fashion and how every single thing they choose to wear is strategic and why the shapes matter and the color matters and how you can choose something signature. Like I always have a red lip, right? That's my visual identity or red nails. Lynn Paolo, who is the most brilliant customer. I think, in the world, who's done everything from the West Wing to Little Fires Everywhere to Scandal. I mean, she's got a million shows. She works a lot with Shonda Rhimes. She and I go through her thought process for how she creates characters and uses fashion to create that identity. So there's a lot in this book that people can take away from. So even if every single thing is not for you, there's going to be a lot
1: of it. You had said that it was harder to write or it was more difficult than you thought. Was it because it was for structure? It was because the world had changed so much? Was it because you yourself had changed?
0: Yeah, I think I'm older. First of all, with Leave Your Mark, like ignorance is blessed. You're kind of like a newbie beginner's luck. I think this was harder because I wanted it to not be just about me, but equally, I wanted it to not be dry. And I wanted to bring in really dynamic people who have a lot to say about whatever their subject expertise is. And I think structurally, I wanted it to feel like something that wasn't overwhelming to the reader. So there was a lot of work that went into figuring that out.
1: In structuring the book and in interviewing all these people and looking at how things have shifted and what the word branding itself means... What was the biggest surprise?
0: Well, you know, having as much experience as I do, a lot of this is gut intuitive. Mm -hmm. And I certainly have worked for a very long time to have a really decisive thought process for what's on brand. That's why the title is On Brand, because I can look at something and be like, that's on brand for that person, or that's not on brand. Like it, it is a quick pendulum, yes, no. So in taking all of that experience, when I needed to rebrand myself and think about, okay, what do I want to be known for now? And how am I going to get there? It was intuitive to me. But in writing this book, I had to reverse engineer all of that, right? So I didn't do a Venn diagram when I was thinking about rebranding myself. However, when I went through this process of writing, I was like, okay, what would I tell someone else? I would say start with a Venn diagram so you can understand how you're showing up right now. What are the different pockets of themes that you either work in or speak about or message on social media and finding that middle space of how the two sides connect to each other. When I did these exercises, because I did every single one that I was prescribing, I was amazed at how incredibly on brand I was
1: for myself. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. So it's like I didn't do it going forward through my journey, but I did it on the way back to reverse it to make sure that I was thinking correctly in advising everybody else. So that was surprising.
1: Do you think someone can still get something out of it if they're not computer savvy or they're not on social media as much?
0: Yes. And I purposely wrote this book to be even handed between the don'ts. Like I will never do social media and the people who do. So if you are a human in this world, you are making an impression. You are making an impression. If you show up at a meeting, you're making an impression over email. You're making an impression. If you decide you would like to have a website or a portfolio or a resume. My one thing for the people who are anti social media, I really believe you must have a LinkedIn presence. And why do you need to have a LinkedIn presence? You need to be findable. People need to be able to find you. Even
1: if you're nowhere else,
0: be there so people can find you. I think, too, at
1: least for a journalistic point of view, if we can't find you, it puts up all these flags. Like, is that a real person? (laughs) Yeah. Pull one over on me. It's like your driver's license. You know it's proof of verification. Yes, totally. But I think those things are important, whether you're working on you know, taking over the world or just at least proving that you are who you say you are.
0: I think that's very smart and definitely accurate. But I also think that, you know, just to go back to your initial question, that's the reason I have a whole chapter on executive presence and how you're showing up in a room. And do you have weight in a meeting? Do people feel like your contributions are positive or negative, or do you leave no impression at all, which by the way, is a negative. So, you know, how do you build authentic relationships? Susan McPherson, who is the queen of that, who wrote The Lost Art of Connecting, is my expert contributor there. We talk about what does it mean to build authentic relationships today? Or how do you send a cold pitch? How do you ask for a warm intro? All of these things have nothing to do with social media.
1: You know, in talking about if you're not the most savvy technically, you know, how do you maneuver, but what kind of advice do you give the people who are really savvy in this and really are navigating this extraordinary landscape? Well,
0: I think that we can't deny the power of a social presence. I mean, I wouldn't have either of my books if I didn't have a social presence. They're both results of what I do on social media. So in on brand, as much as it is for people who don't want to do that, it is equally as much for people who do, but maybe don't know how to. So I dive into what I call the digital playground and explain very simply kind of like what your menu options are, what you can plan. And then we go through in a really tactical and easy way, how to think about a content strategy, how to think about identifying what you want to be known for and how do you convey that on social media? How do you think not just about what your content looks like or what you're talking about, but how your brand voice is showing up? So for example, like a company that says I would be weird, right? A company would say we. So thinking about all of those tactics is also a part in this book. So people can sort of cherry pick what they want to take away from it. And maybe they're not going to do it on social in the way that I did, but maybe they'll choose one platform where they're like, you know what? Let me try this. You know, I have a small business. I'm launching a small business or I want to sort of raise my profile or maybe people who are, you know, further along in their career who want to be considered for board seats. These are the ways that you can be considered for opportunities like that. You have to make a name for yourself to be considered
1: for a board seat. It's something that's always stuck with me that you only have one chance to make a first impression. But yes. we don't really talk about how do you fix that first impression if it's not so good. If you've already aced it, rock on. But is there advice for having to fix that first impression that may not have been so good? Well, fun fact
0: your first impression is made within the first seven seconds of meeting someone. That's what the data says. Interesting. Not going to give you a lot of time to make a good impression. I think, listen, we're all human. Sometimes we have bad off days. Yes. And I think being able to say to someone, hey, I know we started off on the wrong foot. I don't think you got a real sense of who I am. And I don't think I had enough time to really get a sense of you. And I would love to like have a do-over. And just being authentic and honest about the fact that like, you're not proud of maybe the way you came off that first time and you would like a second chance. I think most people would be gracious enough to be like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's have a coffee or let's meet on Zoom, whatever.
1: And I think there's something to be said for authenticity too. When you brought up Anna, which is such an interesting person to highlight too, in terms of what she was successful in creating, whether she herself ended up being a success. And I think those might be two different things as well. So I'm wondering if you can talk about you can be successful at creating a brand or you yourself as that brand, but having that upkeep and the authenticity, does that still make you successful at it?
0: Well, I think for Anna, crime has paid big time. But I also think her victims were really banks for the most part. And I don't think anyone is taking out their tiny violin for a bank. So... I think it depends on who you've actually hurt in the process. Even her friend, Rachel, has made a killing after this on telling her story. So it's an interesting dynamic of where she started and how she got to where she is. And Emily Palmer, who is a fellow colleague of yours at the New York Times, was on Leave Your Mark a couple months ago when we really dove into the phenomenon that is Anna, because people love her. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. But you can mess up your personal brand. And we know this from what we see in cancel culture. And there is so many examples of people who were at the height of their career. Like look at Matt Lauer, height of his career. He's the ghost. So some people can come back from it. And it depends on what the person did in the first place. But you can be a master marketer and build your personal brand to the highest heights. And it can come crashing down like a house of cards.
1: Interesting. I'm trying to think of somebody who rebuilt and did it successfully. We see a lot of actors who disappear for a number of years and then suddenly come back. And yes, um, Doogie Hauser. Yes, he's done an extremely wonderful job of you know rebooting his career. Somebody once said to me, "You can start the day over at any point of the day. You can just start the day afresh." And I'm wondering too if that's the same for when you have these career bumps, or when you aren't sure how to shape shift, or you need help in rebranding, if there is a way to rebrand all the time.
0: There is, unless you've done something unforgivable. Of course.
1: Of course. I'm wondering what the difference is between building a brand and being on brand, and if there's just a little confusion between the two. So
0: one of the reasons why I think it behooves every single person to build a strong personal brand is because I believe if you have a strong personal brand, your name gets dropped in rooms you're not in, and you get thought of for opportunities that other people haven't even heard of yet. Stephen Kolb, in the book, who's the CEO of the CFDA, the Council of Fashion Designers of America, he's Part of this example of having your name get dropped in a room, you know, he came from the nonprofit world, He had zero fashion experience, but his name got dropped in a room to Diane von Furstenberg and he's been the CEO for over 17 years
1: now. If you're going to have your name drop. That was a good, a good drop. I mean,
0: phenomenal drop, but I think that it's a great example of so many people fret over, oh, I don't have the exact experience or I don't come from that industry. The skills are the skills. You know, if you work in the nonprofit world, you can do nonprofit for any single industry. And I think one of the things that I really want people to walk away from this book realizing is building equity in your name is what I mean when I say build a brand. Make your name mean something. A lot of people rely on the credibility and the status of where they work. I did it too for 17 years. I was Aliza from DKNY. Well, what if you don't work there anymore? So that's what I mean when I say building a brand. I'm not saying that you're building a brand where you're having like a Netflix show. I'm saying you're thinking about your name and what it means to people in your orbit. Being on brand means you have a very clear sense of what you align with, either in theory, aesthetically, It's what you choose to support. It's the causes you align with. It's what you wear. If you're only a pants person and never a dress person, you know that pants are on brand for you. Dresses aren't. You're a red lipstick person. You're not. All of these things go into what's on brand for you. And when I thought about the book title, I loved it and we all loved it so much because it really cements the reader thinking through, well, what is on brand for me? I think the easiest way for anyone who's listening to think about it is if you had to choose a font that just speaks to you, that represents you, some people might be like, oh, I would never have Serif, right? I would never, ever, ever align with Serif. There's a really strong feeling toward what's your font. It's the same idea. It's this gut reaction of what you react to in a positive way, a negative way, indifferent and figuring out what that means. At one point in the book, when we get to visual identity, there's another contributor named Cindy Tien who is in Singapore. And we met at a conference for women in the world personal branding. And it was like one of those amazing moments where it was me in New York at 9 p.m. at night. It was Cindy in Singapore. There was someone in Australia. And there might have even been someone in Germany or somewhere else. And we were all coming from totally different perspectives, but all saying the same thing. And Cindy's actual job is she's hired by luxury brands to up-level certain employees to give them a personal brand in how they present at meetings, at conferences, or even their personal style. Hmm. And in the book, we speak about this woman who was really shy and timid and Cindy worked with her and and she's like, you know, I feel like people don't take me seriously. Like I'll be in a meeting and no one is really like taking my ideas to heart. I feel like I'm not showing up in a strong enough way. This was someone who probably would align more with like a romantic style of dressing and like a classic haircut. So they did everything the opposite. They gave her an asymmetrical haircut. They gave her bright, bold colors. They put her in strong heels helps how you walk. Lynn Paolo said that with Olivia Pope when she spoke about how she thought of Olivia Pope in Scandal. All of these tactics affect how people view you.
1: And then I guess that brings the question to do you fake it till you make it? Do you believe in imposter syndrome? I mean, all these new terms are out there for people who are trying to reinvent or recreate or shift into a different persona.
0: Great question. So I think you absolutely fake it till you make it.
1: The only one who knows you're faking it is you. What does that really mean to you? Because I think we've misconstrued that a lot.
0: I think it's about truly pushing past the fact that you're uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable doing the thing you're doing. So you're faking it so that you can do that thing. But the reality is you're going to always be uncomfortable with something you've never done. So it's not really faking it like being disingenuous, like that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, play the part so that people can see you in that role. And a lot of that is seen in corporate America, where it's like you want that promotion, and you feel like you deserve it. No one sees it yet. But like, start acting like you have that seniority, that you're stepping up, that you're managing up in your role. And then other people will see you that way. eventually. The reality catches up with your vision:
1: I think for our generation, it was on-the-job training where you just said yes to things and then you learned how to do it you know you had to have enough gusto or scrappiness to believe in yourself to say, "Oh of course, I can do that you know until you you just get the job first it was, get the job, then prove that you can keep the job so mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah. it's constantly shape-shifting and I think the words shift around too, which, you know, as a wordsmith or someone who's constantly fascinated by the new vernacular or the the new career slang, that you've taken all these words and, and really created not only a landscape for them, but really helped the reader digest them and understand them differently than maybe how they did before as well. I think that's part of it. How do you figure out who you are and what you're striving for if you don't understand this new landscape?
0: Well, thank you for that. You know, going back to your earlier question about even imposter syndrome as a vernacular, if you're in the room, you belong there. I think it's really important. Or if someone opens the door for you, even if you're super uncomfortable, walk through it. I think that every single person forgets that we all struggle with that. We all struggle with being uncomfortable and feeling like, oh God, do I have enough skills to do that? Am I the smartest person here? Should I be the person doing that? One of the questions that I think is the most important probably to ask yourself is, well, why not me? Why not me? I mean, that happened with my podcast. I got turned down from every single production company, like 15 of them. I could have easily been like, okay, well, you know, they're the experts. Maybe I just, I shouldn't do one. And then I was like, well, why not me? And I Googled it and I did it. So I think it's how we speak to ourselves. Is what's most important.
1: Yes, but now you're also talking about tenacity. I mean, I think that's part of our branding is tenacity or resiliency. And I think there are people who would have said thirty people have said no. Maybe I should try something else. Yeah. So I think there's a huge part that goes with believing in yourself and and why not me?
0: Yeah. Or even if you really don't believe in yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Nobody listens. Okay. You know, Meredith Feynman is another contributor in the book, and she wrote Brag Better. And the audience for Brag Better is what she calls the qualified quiet. And I'm obsessed with this concept, and it's why I put it in on brand, because it's for all the people who are really good at what they do and are just waiting for someone to notice. That's not a strategy.
1: I have to think about that, because that's deeper than I was expecting. (laughs) I have to give that some thought for the moment in terms of, yes, I guess even thoughtfully quiet is not a strategy. Look, you know, there are a lot of people who also say not making a decision is making a decision.
0: Yes. Well, it's like how no comment to a reporter is basically a comment. It's the same idea. Right. And on that note, I do have a whole chapter on PR 101 and crisis communications and how to speak to a reporter And why you should never jeopardize your job for 15 minutes of fame and understanding the rules of engagement, both from your company's point of view and also working with a journalist. Because I think it's really important if people want to sort of up their game, some people might want to become a thought leader in their industry. What does that mean? You need to put your thoughts out there in unique and compelling ways, but not everyone around you may not be supportive of that. You have to understand who your audience is.
1: And that is also very hard when we're an impulse nation. So we're so quick to respond. We're so quick to tweet something. We're so quick to post something that we lead with emotion very often rather than, is this a strategic career move for me? Yes. Not everybody has a strong muscle for that.
0: Yes. I think this is work that's never really done. Like I change my bios all the time. I think about my strategy all the time. So this is a book where if you buy the hardcover and you do the workbook sections with like a pencil, you can erase, and you can come back to it and you can redo the exercises every time there's like a pivotal moment in your career to rethink. I mean, sometimes even I look at my stuff and I'm like, oh my God, I said that? No, that is not what I want to say anymore. So we go through all of that in this book, whether it's how to write a bio or take your LinkedIn bio and boil it down to a social media snapshot. There's so many things to think about. How do you create a website? I go through all of that.
1: You could also buy two books and have one book done workbook wise and then a year later do it again.
0: Great idea. Love that
1: idea. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a hardcover and soft cover. Maybe yes. a year later. You want to see what you actually wrote beforehand. Great idea.
0: Please buy as many books as you want. Um, But I really think that people will get a lot out of this if they put in the thought. You know, I say in the introduction, and I know like not every book's introduction is necessarily like you have to read. I think this is a book where you do need to read it to understand where I'm coming from. I can't build your personal brand for you in this book. You have to put some work into it. I can hold your hand along the way, but it is going to come from your mind too. And I'm going to help shape it. And then, you know, at the end of the book, I invite people, if they still need help or they feel like they do want that one-on-one time, then on alizelike.com, I have a personal branding section where people can book time with me to talk through their tactics. But I do think putting in some of the initial work and thought process is something that's fun and also really beneficial to people.
1: I think it's very tangible. And I think in a time where things aren't as tangible anymore, there is something really great about putting pen to paper and having an opportunity to sit there and think about it and see what you've written and if that's right for you.
0: You bring up a good point. We're not in front of people as much anymore. The world is different. And I think when you want to network or you want to make an impression or you want people to think about you for things, you have to have a strategy for that. And a lot of people are enjoying working from home and are solopreneurs or independent contractors. So how do you stay connected and make sure that you're just not invisible? That's also a big part of why I think this book is important right this minute.
1: Yeah, it's important to always have a presence, that not people forget about you. And they're on to the next. We're so quick to move on to the next. Yes. Well, I, I really, I've learned a lot. I already read the book. So it was nice for a refresher course for me. And I love, you know, the one-on-one time with you regardless. But I, I think this was really, there was so much good stuff here.
0: I agree. Thank you so much for interviewing me. Of course. Amazing. So for everyone listening, check out On Brand. It launches April 18th. You can buy it anywhere books are sold. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to Leave Your Mark, the podcast. If you want more career advice, be sure to pick up a copy of my bestselling book, Leave Your Mark. If you're on Instagram, make sure to follow at Leave Your Mark podcast to stay up with the latest episodes. And of course, say hi to me at Aliza If you're on Twitter, definitely reach out at Aliza I would love to hear from you. If you want to subscribe to my newsletter or attend a future virtual mentoring event, go to alizalick.com for more information. And just remember this, if change doesn't hurt a little, it's not change. Keep on rocking.